If you have a Bible, open up with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And as you're opening up there, uh, I just want to say a word of gratitude once again to, uh, to the First Baptist Church of Gazan family for the great faithfulness which you've shown during this time. Um, we have been able to serve and love our community and continue our church operations in the best way that we can during this time, thanks to your faithful generosity and your patience and love and grace with your staff and your leadership during this time. Uh, everyone, uh, I've, I've still not heard a complaint. And, and so I'm, I'm not superstitious or even a little stitious, and so I don't even mind saying it. I, you know, I'm not going to knock on wood or anything. Uh, we uh, praise God for that, and I'm thankful for you. And it's been, um, for so many, a discouraging time. And I won't say that there haven't been moments of discouragement for me, but overall, because of the great faithfulness of our precious church, I've been encouraged, and I feel like we are well-positioned uh, now and on the other side of this to make uh, great strides in advancing the gospel and in ministry impact in Gazin and beyond. And I look forward to... I look forward to getting back at it, and so I hope you do too. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. If you have your Bibles there, I want you to read God's Word with me, and um, uh, we'll be looking here at what the Apostle Paul says. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. As the words on this page are being read, God Himself is speaking to us. Beginning verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. God, would you open our hearts and minds today, Lord, to receive your word and be changed by it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mothers uh, have a unique and special role in everyone's heart and in everyone's life. Uh, even people who had uh, harmful mothers or difficult mothers or bad mothers. I quoted a song uh, written by Sufjan Stevens a few weeks ago, and he's got a whole album about his mother who was a drug addict and abusive and abandoned him and everything else, and yet he's got a whole album about her death. And what a horrible experience her death was for him, even though she wasn't a good mom uh, by any way you can measure it. And yet, still, she had such an impact on him and a special place in his heart, in his life. A year or two ago, uh, Whitney took Ford, and maybe Watsy too, I'm not sure, but I know Ford was there to see a play, and it was Peter Pan. And uh, they're talking about Peter Pan, and as they're sitting there watching Peter Pan, it comes up that all the lost boys live here in Neverland and that there are no mothers. So our little boy Ford, uh, who was five or six at the time, looked at Whitney and said, no mothers? <laughs> he just couldn't imagine what it would be like to live in a world with no mothers. But it's true. Mothers have a unique and a special role in all of our hearts and in all of our lives. This week I picked up uh, the new... Jason Isbell album. He's got a new album out called Reunions. Uh, bought it, uh, it using social distancing practices and all the right things from Cosmic Debris here in Gadsden, downtown Gadsden, and uh, bought it there. Thanks to those guys for helping me out. 
putting it on hold for me. But listen to these lyrics. So this is the closing track to his new album, Reunions, and the, uh, the song title is Letting You Go. And uh, li- listen to these lyrics. Listen to what he says. The nurse helped us buckle your seat in the car, and they sent us on our way. I drove home so slow, we had no instructions. The first days were hard, but there's things about babies a woman just knows. That's so true. Even in a society where we so desperately want to flatten out the differences between men and women, even our own poets recognize the unique beauty and blessing of motherhood. And furthermore, we all can see the sort of beauty and blessing of families. Jason Isbell has gone from singing about barroom fights and dying in a Super 8 motel to writing a song that made me cry harder than any song since Butterfly Kisses. And so uh, that's the kind of transition that happens, right? This is what a transition that happens. This is what family does. It's what parenting does. It's It's what getting married does. It's what becoming families does. In so many ways, the mom is the heartbeat of the home. And while I'm a big advocate, and I think everyone knows this, I'm a big advocate of of encouraging and pressing on our fathers to step up and lead in their homes. I've yet to met a wife who didn't want her husband to step up and lead spiritually, especially in the home. There can be no doubt that it's so often mothers who set the tone. It's the wife so often who sets the tone of the ebb and flow and the daily patterns of life in the home. Mothers are a central part of God's plan for faithful families, and faithful families are the building blocks of healthy societies. No no question. The the central core unit, the, 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 the thread of the fabric that builds a world in which we want to live are healthy and faithful families. This morning, I want to show you three truths, and this is for moms, dads, future parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, three truths, but especially moms, take this to heart, three truths about faithful families in this short passage of Scripture that I think will help you as you seek to be a more faithful family during these days. Here's the first. God graciously commands... God graciously commands faithfulness for families. God commands faithfulness for families. Children, the Bible says, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father, mother. These are commands. These are things that the Lord says must happen. Now, it's interesting that the Bible is commanding children to obey their parents, right? And and commanding us to honor our father and our mother. Because we recognize that teaching obedience is really something that belongs to the parents. And yet the command is for the children. This shows the way that Christian parents, moms, dads, you have a responsibility to teach your child how to obey God's commands. And one of the primary ways that a child obeys the commands of God and learns what it means to live under a God who demands righteousness and holiness from them, a God who has rules, a God who has boundaries, a God who has designed a life for them, one of the primary ways a child has to learn that is by learning obedience to mom and dad. Simple, basic obedience. 
You see, I think we typically view God's commands the wrong way. We, we, we typically view God's commands the wrong way. Now, some people abuse commands. I'll be the first to admit it. I know, I'm a preacher. Um, I understand it. I recognize it. I've got a little saying sometimes when people uh, say, well, is it okay if, if we do that, uh, especially with you know the church or something like that? We, we'll have people come early for food. But it's okay if I go ahead and get it or whatever else. And I say, yeah, we're Baptists, but we're not that legalistic. You know, we'll, we'll let you have your food a little early. But people have obeyed commands. People have added to commands. People have abused commands. I think in so many ways what we've done then is, is we think that grace then looks at those commands and sees them as these strictures and these, these harsh realities that we need to get away from. And so to be more focused on grace means that we're against commands and law and that sort of thing. We're, we're more about freedom and this sort of thing. But here's what we've got to recognize is that's not grace. Legalism isn't the Bible, but, but neither is antinomianism. Neither is a really negative view of the law. Neither is a, a pure sort of libertarianism that says we're free from any sort of commands from God. No, grace looks at God's commands and sees them for what they are. They are gracious opportunities to love and obey our Father. God means good for us through His commands. We've got to transform how we think about God's commandments. I think we oftentimes just see God's commands as sort of bummers or, or things that we need to get away from. Or once we're under grace, we don't have to worry about them anymore. But instead, I think we need to transform the way we view them and see these are good and gracious opportunities for His glory and our joy. There's freedom not outside God's commands. There's freedom in God's commands. God has given us the opportunity to obey Him by His Spirit. We're not going to do it perfectly. He loves us anyway. And yet we can look to what God has told us to do and we can walk in freedom in His commands. He has written His law on our hearts. On our hearts. You see, God commands faithfulness for family. God commands our homes to be structured in a certain way. God demands that we do things according to His plan and according to His will and according to His purpose. You see, God commands faithfulness for families, but that's a good thing. That's a sweet freedom we have in our society, and it get, means good things for us. Little things, simple things, basic things about what it means to function in a society are learned in the home. They're learned in the home. You, you just think about just the language we use when we're trying to train our children in things. Things like, were you raised in a barn? You know, What are we really teaching a child when we teach them to close the door behind them? Well, we're teaching them lots of things, aren't we? One, we're teaching them just personal responsibility. If you open it, you shut it. My kids will say, hey, I'll say Ford or Watson, close the door. I didn't open it. What are we teaching them? Just because you didn't create a problem doesn't mean you can't fix it. <laughs> it's personal responsibility, right? Just, just in just the simple ways we teach. We're teaching them the value of things. It's not free to condition our home, right? And so we want you to close the door, turn off the lights, do the things you're supposed to do, take some responsibility. Now, these are little things, right? These are little things we learn in the home, but doesn't that translate out into who we are as people? 
what sort of employees we are, what sort of parents we are, what sort of responsibilities we have. You see, God's commands are opportunities. It's a responsibility that corresponds to a promise. You see, it's a good thing for children to learn to obey their parents because they begin to learn what authority is, and that obedience to parents eventually translates into obedience to God. They are being trained and taught what it means to serve and obey the Lord. You see, teaching children obedience is a very hard thing. I know. Trust me. It's very hard. Because you're sitting there and you're like, man, I want to be the cool dad. You know, I want to be Mr. Laidback, cool guy. And uh, that's what I tell my kids sometimes. I say, y'all, I hate getting on to you. I don't like it at all. It's no fun for me. This is not the sort of life I enjoy living. It's hard. It's hard work to discipline children. It's hard work to teach children to obey. Yet refusing to is to sow the wind. I think we can see the effects of this sort of thing in our own society all around. People whose parents didn't ensure that they obeyed. We must also recognize, though, obedience is for children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's just simple. This is what we do. Children, obey. But then the Bible goes on. Honor your father and your mother. Children, I mean, obedience is for children. Honor is for everyone. Obedience is for children. Honor is for everyone. You honor your father and mother when you're a child through obedience. And it looks different when you're an adult, but you continue to honor your father and your mother. That's why I love Mother's Day and Father's Day. It's just a tangible way. I know, I know, I know, I know. You're not in here, so I know you're rolling your eyes extra hard out there. Oh, it's a Hallmark holiday. Oh, it's made up. Oh, it's for this or for that or whatever else. That's fine. Okay. If some pagan somewhere wants to make money off a good thing, I'm fine with that. Whatever. They go for it. I'm just saying I like that we honor moms, and I like that we honor dads, and I like that we've got days set aside for it. I think it's important. I think it's a sign of a Christian society that we have things that we recognize and honor that are good. I I, I like it because honor is for everyone. This is the command of God. I think so often into adulthood, people cease to honor their father and their mother, and I think it's really unhealthy. We must recognize then that this obedience at some point translates into adulthood, into honor, and it is something that never ends. It's something that continues on for the rest of our lives. This is God's command. We we do this because it is right. And today's a really good day to begin thinking through what it means to embrace and to enjoy this command of God. Second of all, not only does God command faithful families, but second of all, God's promise is fulfilled in faithful families. God's promise is fulfilled in faithful families. And this idea, this commandment coupled with a promise, not only from the Old Testament, from the law of God, but here reiterated in the New Testament and Paul's emphasis on the promise is is precisely why I say that faithful, healthy families are the building block of society. Okay? This is where I get that idea. I'm not just saying that. I think it's what the Bible teaches. What does the Scripture say? Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. I think this is a very practical promise. 
Now, some people may look at this as sort of a health, wealth, and prosperity kind of thing. If I obey God by obeying and honoring my parents, then the Lord will in turn help us live longer. And I don't think that's what the scriptures are teaching. I think the scriptures are teaching that the practical outworking of us honoring our father and our mother. In other words, the practical outworking of having healthy, faithful families is a healthy society. A, a society that then is able to live long in the land and do well in the land. As God's people entered into the promised land, God is showing them this is the most basic structure of your life are families where mom and dad are honored. This is the first commandment with a promise. Healthy, faithful families make society function. We're so thankful for our church. I love our church. Woody and Lydia do such a good job with our family ministry here. It's amazing. I love the things my kids learn. You know, they learn so many cool things at church. They know so many people they wouldn't otherwise know at church. We're thankful for our school. I, I, I love the school my children go to. I love their teachers. They have such good teachers who love them and care about them and want them to learn and have done such good work there. I, I love our schools. Our educators are invaluable for our society. I'm thankful for our friends. We have so many good friends, people that love my kids and care about my kids and have influence on my kids. I'm thankful for our extended family. You know, they're amazing. They've had such good influence on my children. But the reality is that none of those things are a replacement for healthy, faithful families. Home life is the most important part of life. The reality is that the most important factor in what happens in the world is what happens in our homes. And listen, I think many of us are tempted to sit around like a Pharisee and harumph and judge all the things that are going on outside in the world. Okay? Sit there and watch the news and just... I don't know if y'all know this about the news or not. Nobody's here to throw rocks at me today, so I don't know. Email me. Put my email on the screen. The news is designed to make you angry. Did you guys know this? Not, not just one kind of news either, okay? I know what you're thinking. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to excuse your news. But your news... Your news... Your news, they, they like it in here. I don't know about out there. Somebody's like, somebody's going to hit last and go back to their news channel. I'm sick of this. All right. It's designed to make you mad because when you're mad, you turn it back on because you want something else to be mad about. And when you turn it back on, they make more money. That's what happens. But I think we sit here red in the face watching the news, so mad about the coastal elites and this person and that person and, and what is this and what is that and my goodness, these dummies here and dummies there. and We're so mad and we're so mad about what's going on in the world and so frustrated with what's going on in the world. And all the while we're neglecting our little corner of the world. And you want to impact the world, impact your home. Start there. For all the ills that impact society, and I can promise you, I'm burdened over them. I'm, I'm burdened when I consider the world my children are having to grow up in. I'm burdened about it. I'm not trying to be some pie-in-the-sky Pollyanna or whatever else. I'm burdened. I'm burdened. 
But I'm not sure I could point to a single thing that would help society more, that would heal the burdens of our culture, that would help erase some of the problems that we see, that would soothe the ills that plague the world we live in, quite like strengthening our family, retrieving a healthy home life. Moms, persist in the hard work you're doing. And buddy, I know for the last 40 or 50 days, it's been harder. I know. I know. Even if you don't have the support you want or need, persist. Brothers, dads, husbands, if your wife doesn't have the support she needs, and I'll confess my wife doesn't always have the support she needs, right? I'm, I'm not perfect dad. Not super dad. But here's the deal. What are you going to do to make that right? What are you going to do to step your game up to honor the commandment of the Lord and to take your little corner of the world that God's given you and cultivate it into a place where God's glory shines brightly and spreads from there over the whole earth? What are you going to do to fulfill the calling God's given you? Persist. Persist. Hold the rope. Make a difference. This is how we change the world. We change it through healthy, faithful family. Brothers and sisters, it's good news that God's promise is fulfilled. The promise of God that we will live long and prosper in the land is fulfilled through faithful and healthy families. Now, not all God's promises. There are bigger and better promises than these that are fulfilled through the, His Son, Jesus Christ. But this is one promise that's fulfilled through faithful families. And finally, third point is this. God's truth is spread through faithful families. God's truth is spread through faithful families. I don't believe if you were to weigh all the gospel impact I'll have in my whole life as a minister and preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as important as that is, and I think it's important enough to dedicate my whole life to it, you know, here I am. I can do no other. So help me God. I, this is me. This is what I do. I don't think that my ministry impact, if you were to just weigh it, is going to weigh as much as the 18 years a mom spends with a child in the home. It's huge. It's huge because it's God's design for spreading His truth. Now notice what this last verse says. Fathers, now I know this is directed to fathers here, because I think fathers are most tempted to exasperate their children. You know, um, I think fathers just are generally more tempted toward driving their children to anger than moms are. You know, um, you know, come on, God, you know, I just think we have a temptation toward that. It's like my dad used to tell me I could break a steel ball with a rubber mallet, you know, just because, I mean, I'm just goofy. I'm an idiot kid, and I used to do goofy things, and so I just think it's easy for dads to kind of get exasperated and exasperate up their kids and whatever else. But this is applies to all of us, and the principle applies to moms and dads as well. What does the Bible say? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
I think the principle in this verse is this, that we're not called to bend children to our will. That's not our goal. And so often, that's my temptation as a dad, right? God put me on this earth to butt, head with, butt heads with kids. Make them do what I want them to do. But that's not the general gist of why obedience matters. That's not the general gist of why parenting matters. That's not the general gist of what it means to be a mom or a dad. It's just to let them do what they want till we get frustrated with it, then make them do what we want. No, it's to lovingly lead our children to Christ. To point them to God's truth. Not to get frustrated with them and exasperate them and lead them and drive them to anger. But instead, what do we do? We bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We all know what a temptation this is when we're holed up in our homes. Just to get frustrated with our kids because they're not doing what we want them to do. Thanks be to God in our new home. We have a fenced-in backyard. It's amazing. We just send them out there, lock the door. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. We check the temperature first. Rarely do they all have clothes on. Doesn't matter. Please don't report us. Just get out of here. But it's not about frustration and anger and provocation. It's not about trying to, to mold them to our will and our image. It's meant, the tools God's given us are meant to bring them up, and to lead them lovingly to Christ. Through discipline, which means correcting what is wrong. When they sin, when they do something wrong, we discipline them. We correct them. It's not to say there's never a place. For righteous anger, it's not to say that there's never a place for intense discipline. There is a place for those things. But simply when they're sinful, when they're doing what's wrong, when they're disobedient, that's when we correct. But the, the top tool, the main tool that parents have with their children is instruction. Informing them about what they don't know. And that includes the Lord Himself. Teaching them about God. Teaching them who He is. I think it's easy to confuse discipline and instruction, right? But we have to be so careful. We're leading them to Christ. We're leading them in the Lord. We're not talking down to them angrily. We're bringing them up through discipline and instruction. Ultimately, don't you think we can all see what an amazing impact a mom can have on the way that God's truth is spread every day? Every day, teaching your children about the Lord. Every day, every day, instructing your children in the Lord. Every day, every day, patiently disciplining your children when they won't listen or won't do what they're supposed to do. Every day, bringing them up. And what we assume was his last letter to his protege, the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy was writing to him. And sure, Paul was reminding him of things he taught him, but... Isn't it interesting to think that the Apostle Paul, when he, when he talked to Timothy, talked to him about the scriptures he knew from childhood that he learned from his mother and his grandmother. Don't we find it fascinating that in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says to Timothy, who he personally discipled, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Not a faith that you got from me, but a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure, dwells in you as well. 
What was Paul pointing Timothy to there at the end of his life when he would no longer have Paul? Don't necessarily just think about me. Don't think about all the the important discipleship you got from me. Remember what you got from Mama and remember what you got from your grandmother. Remember the faith that you got from them that dwells in you now. It is important. Moms, God sees, God knows, and He loves what you're doing. Continue to do the hard work of bringing up faithful, healthy families. Because in that is our joy and God's glory. I want to offer an invitation this morning. You take a few moments to respond to the Lord. If you don't know Him, today is a good day to put your faith in Him. If you have questions or somebody you need to talk to, whatever, send me an email. Alexander at fbcagasm.org. After this prayer, you take a few moments to reflect. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for his gospel. And God, it's our prayer today that you would lead us to honor moms as they should be honored. And God, I pray that through your word and by your gospel, you will raise up faithful, healthy families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.